I'm your host, Riem Zin Labidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Daniel Chokorlan. He is a software engineer and the founder of Rock the GVM, the online training resource on Scala. Let's meet him and learn more about his journey. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to TechTech. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to have you here. To know you more, tell us some fun facts about yourself. Well, uh, I am a uh, combination of stuff uh, about things that I, I found fun or interesting. I am a programmer, as uh, people that know Rock the JVM probably know me. Uh, I write a lot of Scala and functional programming. I'm interested in teaching. I love to teach, and I've taught a lot of stuff over the past uh, eight or so years. I play guitar a lot, which is why I've named my teaching website Rock the JVM. I uh, have a jigsaw puzzle in the table in front of me, and I'm working on that right now. I love jigsaw puzzles. I used to skate with uh, rollerblades quite crazily. I used to be chased by cars uh, when I was a little younger. I have this uh, weird attraction to physics and mathematics. Before I started computer science, I was very interested in quantum computation, enough to write some bachelor and math master theses on them. That is before I started programming at all. Uh, so yeah, a combination of stuff. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. And how did you uh, get into programming? Did you start studying uh, um, from the beginning? You are interested about programming, or how it does it start? Well, from a uh, from when I was a kid, I was interested in this math, logic, understanding, nature. So I was quite attracted to physics quite naturally from a very young age. And uh, while I was in school, I did a lot of competitions, Olympiads, won a bunch of medals uh, in some international competitions. That was before I started programming at all. And uh, I did some programming in uh, high school, but very, very basic. I didn't really intend to be a programmer. I thought I wanted to be uh, an electronics engineer. And uh, I joined the university in Bucharest with the aim of becoming a hardware engineer. But I happened to hate electronics, which was very surprising to me. But I love computer science instead. And so I started diving into computer science more. And I started working in the industry as a programmer. And as I worked in the industry, I became increasingly fascinated with the kinds of abstractions that you can build with software. And then I encountered Scala and uh, it blew my mind on so many levels because it was so expressive and so powerful. And it allowed you to embed some really abstract mathematical concepts into code. And that sparked my curiosity enough to pursue Scala quite a lot. And uh, combined with my interest in teaching, I started this website, Rock the JVM, which aims to be the go-to resource for Scala and the ecosystem. So this is the long story short version. Yeah, I, I watched many ep episodes uh, from Rock the JVM, and uh, I think you have also a course in uh, Udemy, right? Yes, I started, uh, I initially started my 
Scala teaching journey on Udemy with Scala Beginners course.、Mm-hmm. And people started to like that. And then I started creating more material. And people increasingly asked me for more specialized material with more material, with more code, with more exercise, with more practice. And the Udemy platform started to become quite limiting to me. And、um, I started this new website, now it's called Rock.JVM, where I have added quite a lot of material. I think I have 150 or so hours of courses there. In total, I think we're cranking close to 25,000 lines of code in the courses if we put them together. So, in time, we have quite a bunch of material there on Rock.JVM. So, that's how the website came to be. Wow. And、uh, do you have a team working with you, or are you doing it by yourself? I am doing everything by myself. So I'm a one person website. Recently, I started working with some of my older students who are now more experienced software engineers. They're senior engineers working on new technologies like Apache Pulsar or、uh, working in the US or in Europe. And they started contributing to my blog at the、uh, Rock the JVM website. But I'm building everything by myself all the courses, all the material, all the Code projects, exercises, research, everything that I did by myself. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. And、uh, did you face some difficulties in the beginning? Well, it's always a challenge, to be honest. And、uh, at the beginning of every course, this process, I thought it would become easier, but it, it never became any easier. When I create a new piece of material, a new course, or A sequence of courses or a, any kind of learning material or a mini series on my website or on YouTube, I need to start research from scratch.、Mm-hmm. And this kind of research is very unstructured and very vague, very chaotic. And this is quite intimidating. It never becomes any easier. When I start creating a, a new piece of material, I'm like, what on earth am I going to do now? And、uh, The main challenge that I face at the beginning is getting a sense of progress because hours go by, days go by, sometimes weeks go by, researching, reading, experimenting, and not feeling that I'm making any meaningful progress. And in time, I got to realize that that is meaningful work as well. It's just as important as the rest of the work where I'm、uh, recording what I already know I'm going to teach. And so, yeah, this is the kind of difficulty that I'm. That I'm facing with every new material. And that was no exception at the beginning of Rock the JVM, even before Rock the JVM had a website. Even now, when I'm creating new content or new training for companies or new training for software engineers, when I publish a course on my website, it never ends. So, yeah. And、uh, are you currently working for a company or are you doing this、uh, for, as a job? I'm spending most of my time on Rock the JVM teaching and creating materials and holding company trainings, and that is enough to be a full time job in itself.、Um, I also write my own code for my little tools that I use, and I also teach kids to code、oh. on a separate kind of、um, endeavor. So I have a, another website, it's called Coder Prodigy, and I teach kids to code right now. Uh, we have some scratch materials there, and the kids create these little games in scratch, and so they learn to program there. Oh, that's amazing! I would like to、uh, check it out. <laughs> I'm interested about it. <laughs> yeah, I hope.、Um, I mean, 
it's gotten quite uh, nice feedback from kids. And uh, I have, this pretty much makes my day every time I see a kid saying, I love this game, or I want to be an engineer. Or the other day, this kid told me that they wanted to be uh, an engineer working at Apple. This is, I want to be a software engineer, and I want to work at Apple. I will not stop until I get there. And that made my day. Wow. So, yeah, this uh, this is really uh, meaningful. Yeah. That's amazing, really. And uh, in the very beginning, when uh, the first time you started your career, what was your first job? My first job in the industry was an, to be an intern at Adobe in, here in Bucharest when I was in my second year of college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a, a summer intern. I worked on a digital magazine viewer. Uh, tablets were all the rage back then. And uh, we created this uh, little uh, digital magazine viewer for iPad and uh, Android tablets on a cross-platform technology. And these digital magazines had uh, interactions. We had uh, National Geographic uh, magazine with interactive pieces there with 3D models when you want to explore the human body and that sort of stuff. It was quite fascinating. So that was my, my first experience in the, in the industry. That's cool. And uh, is there uh, some challenges you face when you work for companies? Are there some challenges that you have learned from? In my, uh, I've had the privilege of working at both really big companies and also companies with this startup mentality. Mm -hmm. And uh, in big companies, there are certain challenges. And in startup-like companies, there are other challenges. So we have different kinds of difficulties depending on both the problem, the environment, and the setup that we have, the infrastructure that we have. So for example, in big companies, I also worked at Oracle before I started Rock the JVM, several years before I started Rock the JVM. And in uh, a big company like Oracle, for example, when you want to introduce a change in a large code base, you'd have to ask for approval and you have all these sorts of processes. Now, depending on where you're at, this might sound either the way it's meant to be because uh, code might have some really powerful impact on your organization or application or in your customers and so on. And so it needs to be rigorously tested and pre-approved and so on and so forth. So it might make sense. For those of you who are doing uh, very startup-like things, when you're pushing your MVP, that will slow you down and uh, you might be cursing the process. So depending on where you're at, you might resonate or not with these kinds of difficulties. And uh, these mentalities are different from person to person. I see. And um, did it happen that you worked on uh, Agile environment? Yeah, well, I happen to work in uh, both Agile environments and not so Agile environments and things that were moving so fast that Agile was an understatement. Um, they didn't even call themselves Agile. But yeah, I did work with Agile and the standard processes of Agile. And then I moved to another company with uh, a more startup-like mentality. I worked at Palantir and uh, I was working at Palantir in the early days of one of Palantir's now big products called uh, Palantir Foundry. And at the beginning of that thing, we didn't even have the 
notion of agile we're moving so fast that we didn't really have the time to follow the process mm -hmm. we just met every day and just try to push as hard as we could so yeah what do you think is better to just go without specific process or it depends to the team i think it would depend on both the team and the project because i was using some uh some applications here uh, for internet banking today, and they've started to feel like the kind of applications that you would use for a to-do list, which you write in a weekend or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought to myself, that's not the way it's supposed to be. A banking application is supposed to be really secure, really well-written, impregnable, um, with flawless user experience, And everything should be really tested, no errors, and so on and so forth. Now, I'm pretty sure that the back ends of those applications are really following the, these sorts of processes. But it really depends, I think, on the impact your code has on your customers. So, for example, if it's a critical application like a banking application or software for uh, cars or planes, you can't do the startup mentality there. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing the sort of new social network or the sort of new application that nobody's thinking about, or you have this new crazy idea that you want to bring out to the world, this sort of rigorous testing will slow you down and your competitors will be far ahead of you if you move that slow. So it really depends on the software, the team, the phase of that particular sub-industry and so on. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, did you have uh, at one point in time in your life like a confusion what you would choose to be because you have many options in uh, like software engineering? Do you have like to choose whether you would be a mobile uh, app developer or um, a backend or uh, do you have this confusion? Well, um I didn't have the clarity to be sure. So I didn't come into programming saying, hey, I want to be a backend developer or a Scala teacher for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I came into programming thinking I like the code. And so I then thought, what would I like to code? What would I like to build? And uh, I didn't have any clarity. But as you said, we in this industry are pr privileged enough to try many things quite rapidly. So for example, if you know how to code in one of the major programming languages, for example, if, say you can code in Java. Well, with Java, you can build pretty much anything. You can build mobile apps, as you said. You can build websites. You can build backends. You can build banking applications. You can build uh, desktop applications. You can build games. You can yeah. build anything that you like. And uh, I think the way that I would approach that is to simply try things. I did try pretty much everything. I tried to build a website. I hated it. I tried to build the mobile game and I built it by drawing rectangles on the screen. I didn't even know how to texturize things. So I built a game out of basically pictures and I poured my sweat in, into that and creating animations from scratch and building it frame by frame. And uh, I, said, I said to myself, yeah, this is fun, but this is quite tedious. Then I started building backends, and then I started working in companies where you have other kinds of opportunities. For example, at Oracle, I worked on this really, really ginormous uh, web application for Oracle's entire support team, 
which was another kind of experience at Palantir. I did other things. I also did front end. I, I did back end. I did data processing. So you can try different things and then figure out what works for you and what you like, and then just pour more effort into that. Yeah, it's a good approach because sometimes you feel like you have to try many things. There are some worries about the future, what I would be like, because it, in order to be an expert in a specific thing, it, you need to focus on one specific thing. But you're right. If you try some different things, you can, for example, like you mentioned about Java, even it is only Java, but you can do many things out of that. And uh, like whatever you are learning in um, uh, programming, uh, it will always benefit you for the next steps. Yeah. Yes, uh, skills in programming are generally transferable. So whatever you learn from mobile development, for example, for me, from developing that game, I had to figure out how a game is supposed to look like. And then I found that a game is supposed to have this infinite loop where you create a new frame out of the previous frame. And then I found out, okay, then we have uh, frames, then we have animations, and then we need to schedule things to be uh, displayed on the screen. And then if you display too many things, then you'll fill up the, uh, the memory, and then you'll have to uh, remove some textures and put them in a put them in a cache. Try to figure out some data structures to do that. And so these kinds of concepts and these kinds of experiences will then inform you of your future skills. So it will give you the appropriate tools so that you can be more successful in your next experiment, and then more successful in your next experiment after that. And slowly but surely, you'll get closer to what you really like to do, and also be really good at it, which is uh, something that really goes hand in hand. Uh, people think that passion needs to come first and then skill, where it's uh, most of the time the other way around. Yeah. So um, it's good to try different things. Yeah. I mean, in, in programming, we have this incredible privilege to be able to experiment because in other domains, it takes years before you can switch subfields in your domain. You're right. Yeah. Or sometimes it's impossible. So, for example, if you're a doctor, you really can't switch specializations. I'm not even close to the medical field, but I would imagine that it's really hard to shift, if at all possible. Yeah. You remind me of that. I think this uh, perspective I got from my sister, for example, or also from myself, the younger me, before I um, choose what I want to do, I was looking to the same perspective as a doctor who is looking to a specialization. And it sounded very complicated. And I thought that I cannot be uh, expert on uh, anything because I am trying many things. But now there is no, now when I think about it, it is the opposite uh, in our uh, um, uh, in our speciality, and this is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah we have this uh, incredible opportunity, incredible comfort to be able to experiment with different things. I really can't imagine for a doctor who is supposed to enter the real world to d decide. I want to do X. I want to be a, a cardiac surgeon, or I don't know, a kidney surgeon, or I'm I'm making things up here, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And uh, your uh, um, what is the name exactly about the the kids? Yeah, uh, the website. It's called Coder Prodigy. CoderProdigy.com. 
Yeah, about coder prodigy. It is how. Uh, what was the inspiration to start it? Is there some specific thing happened that you thought about it? Well, um, I really like to teach, and to be really honest, my first programming for kids course came out before my first Scala course came out. So my beginner Scratch programming course was the first thing that I've ever published. And it was a programming course for kids that teaches the fundamentals of programming by building these really small games. And this came to be because I really wanted to use my skill and my pleasure of teaching. When, when I was a student in university, I also was a TA. And I did a bunch of teaching on object-oriented programming, some Android, some Scala and functional programming. But then uh, I had a period about three years where, when I left Romania and uh, worked for Palantir in a bunch of countries. And uh, I thought of myself that this teaching skill and this, um, let's call it satisfaction, although it's quite an understatement, was not there anymore because I wasn't practicing teaching anymore. And I thought to myself, how can I use this? How can I revive this skill and also this satisfaction? And right about then, in about 2016, 2017, there was an explosion of online courses there on the web. And, and I thought, can I publish something like this? But then I tried something else. Instead of creating a, a Java course, which was already overly saturated, there were like a million Java courses by the time I even had the idea, I thought, why don't I teach something else? Why don't I teach something for people that are just about to dive into programming? Well, how low can we go? How young can we go? And I thought, why can't we have a course for kids? Why can't I teach kids to code in whatever basic form is possible. And then I researched and then I found Scratch, which is an incredible tool. I, it's really, really powerful and really impactful. And I fell in love with that and uh, started to create these little games and applications and found out that this is, these are simple enough that a kid can learn with the right steps and with the right instructions. A kid can learn to do that. And if they learn to make their own games, well, then I... I started thinking how I felt when I started playing games and I liked, I still like video games. And before, when I was, uh, when I was much younger, I was in love with video games and even, even the thought of maybe at, I don't know, 12 years old to create my own game and play it with a friend that sent chills down my spine. And I thought I have to do this. A kid, needs to have this this sort of feeling if they're in, into games. And if I can create that, then I really want to do it. And so that's how I, I started creating this course. And uh, roughly at the, uh, about the same time, I uh, created my first Scala course because I also was also passionate about Scala at that point. I was, uh, it was, and it still is my favorite language to use. So that was, uh, that was what happened there. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, are you planning to uh, write a book about Scala or like, about the things that you are teaching? Um, I don't think so. Um, the thought of writing something came to me a bunch of times while people were sending me feedback about Rock the JVM saying how much they 
enjoyed my teaching style. However, I don't think a book is something that I am actually capable of uh, of creating because it's an enormous amount of work, and I have a, a giant amount of respect and admiration for people that are writing programming books and uh, creating these smooth learning experience on paper. This is something that it would take me a giant amount of effort to create and to bring to the same level as the courses that I published on the web. It's much easier for me to create a course and speak and demonstrate that on screen and on camera than it is to write a book. Although if I had the right time, I think I would I would like to do that. But time is the limiting factor here. And how much time uh, it takes to uh, record a video, for example, an episode? An episode. Uh, for a YouTube video, well, it depends if, if you include the the research or not. Preparation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the preparation, well, it can take anywhere between two hours and two months. I don't know. I'm preparing a video on Tagless Final, and I'm still not done with the, with the research there. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it varies a lot. It varies a lot. And with a course, it's the same thing, only magnified even 10 times. I see. And I like that you are using also simple terms to explain things. Um, it is a friendly, friendly way to present. I like your uh, kitchen style. Thank you. Is there something else you would like to share? <laughs> well, I hope that uh, I'm going to be able to bring value with Rock the JVM into the Scala community for a long time to come. I hope I can bring as many kids into programming for as long as I possibly can and have really passionate and really energetic people come to do really good work because technology can be used for good and for bad. And we know that all too well. And my material and my work is dedicated to all the people that are using these skills and these tools for the better, for the good of everyone. So this is my message to everybody who's using my work. Thank you for using my work and use these skills really well. Nice. Before we wrap up, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, which advice would you give to yourself, uh, to your younger self? To my younger self, how much younger? I am 30 now, how much younger? Maybe, like, do, do you think that you did something that it could have, today you think of it, that you could have done it better or save it more time if you know what you are knowing now? Well, there's always that. I, I think that's always true. I never try to play that game. I never try to say, oh, I wish I would have done that if I'd, if I'd known what I know now. I never play that game uh, because I always try to, make the best decisions that I have with the information that I have right now. And it's unfair for me to judge my younger self with more information that my younger self didn't have. So I never try to do that to my younger self. What I would say is uh, what advice to my younger self would be just follow your best judgment and do the best that you can do with what you have with what you know and with the energy that you have. Carry on doing that and you'll do some good things eventually. Very nice advice. And um, I really got inspired by your work and I enjoy it 
uh, having uh, this uh, nice conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. I had, it was a lot of fun. My friends, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you learned from Daniel. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Take that, tackle the inspiration. <laughs>